Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Liam, we had quite possibly the best weekend of football. I, I think certainly in my lifetime, I've, I've never known anything like it. Um, as, a, as a Packers fan, I'm sure you're, you'll agree that it was, it was truly spectacular. It was not spectacular at all as a Green Bay fan, but I can tell as a, pack, as a football fan in general, it was a great weekend. All games came down to the final 13 seconds of regulation. Um, absolutely insane. Fortunately, I did go to sleep at halftime during the uh, Bills-Chiefs game, and that was the boring half, which was surprising. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go too far into uh, the Packers because I'm sure our guest will be bringing it up just to rub my nose in it a little bit with his fandom. I love that uh, you can tell you're a man that doesn't have kids that you're able to stay up for the, the half time <laughs> the, the Chiefs Bills game because I was certainly in bed well before then. Um, but as as Liam alluded to, uh, we have got another fantastic guest joining us today. So uh, so we're joined by Evan Brown, who uh, some of you may know as at FF Evan Lucian. Uh, he is a writer and ranker at Dynasty Nerds and host of the Dynasty Debates podcast. Evan, how are you doing? I am fantastic. Thanks very much for having me on here, fellas. No, thank you very much for coming on. It's uh, it's lovely to have you. I, uh, I I hope I didn't butcher your uh, your Twitter handle. I was I was listening to your podcast and it was saying at FF Evolution, yeah, as in nailed revolution. it, nailed it, as Andy Bernard <laughs> would say. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, Evan. I mean, what what did you make of the divisional round? It was it was pretty spectacular. It was it was the weekend of football that we needed, not the weekend of football that we deserved. It was glorious. It was magnificent. It was all of the delightful 
adjectives you can think of to describe something that is glorious. I was heartbroken for the Bills. I did stay up till three in the morning watching it. I was sorry the next day, but I it was worth it. It was totally worth it. Um, it was, you know, it was the first time, I don't know about you fellas, but it was the first time where the whole weekend of football was amazing for different reasons. You know, the Titans Bengals was like, horrific it was like a train wreck you didn't want to look away from and you were just like how can burrow be sacked so many times and still get up um and then they managed to pull the win out and that was pretty crazy and pretty amazing and then obviously without getting too deep into it making liam cry the packers meltdown was pretty pretty incredible um and aaron Rodgers losing is always something i'm excited for as a vikings fan <laughs> so that was great and then you know, you sort of go in, and I don't know about you guys, but it's so funny because the Bucks and Rams was an incredible game. And now you kind of don't even remember it. <laughs> you just like yeah. completely go straight to the Bills and Chiefs because that was an insane game. I mean, like the this is one thing I took away from it is I just love how momentum plays such a huge part in sports and people don't realize that, you know, like you went into halftime and you were like, oh man, they they can just mail this in the second half. Like they can just walk home and like, this is easy. And we were kind of making jokes about, oh, 20, 28 to three and all this 27 to three. It's going to be, you never know. You never know. Ha ha ha. And I don't think anybody actually thought that they could come back, but it was as if Tom Brady and his 743 year old self had like conjured up a curse on the Rams for the second half because everything that could go wrong went wrong. Everybody was fumbling, missing kicks, like turnover on. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was like, this is not the same team that we watched, but they somehow managed to pull it out of the bag at the last minute, which I was really happy for Stafford. I love Stafford. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks, but apologies for going long-winded, but it was just such an amazing weekend. I felt like, you know, when you ever watch those like old NFL games from like, you know, the, the catch or, you know, this, that, and the other, and it's like, these are the classic games, you know, the defined an era. I felt like for the first time I was like, you know what? People are going to be talking about this game and this weekend, like 15, 20 years from now. And they're going to be like, this was two Titans at the height of their powers. And like all this kind of stuff. It just felt like I'm living in history right now. And it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it, except for the part where the Bills lost. But that was sad. Yeah. But other than that, it was fantastic. It was it was honestly mental. I went to bed after the the Rams-Bucks game. And I, I said to my wife as, as I was coming to bed, I said, I think that's one of the best games I've ever watched. That's definitely top three. And then I woke up in the morning, watched watched the Bills Chiefs game. Was like, oh my god, this is this was even better. Like it was it was absolutely mental. Just an incredible weekend of insane football. And uh, Liam, and before we uh, dive into your cocktail of the week, I know you're itching. So uh, so everyone, we'd like, to, we'd like to do a little bit of an introduction to those of our our listeners that that have have not heard of or or, or read your work. So. Um, how uh, how did you kind of get into fancy football? Um, being from over on these shores, did you did you get in young? Is it something recent that you've died into? Or? Well, it's really weird. I was actually talking um, earlier about it's such a weird like. I feel like a nineteen fifties uh, comic book supervillain with a very convoluted and unbelievable backstory. So I'm uh, even though my family's history and lineage is from over here and I've lived over here my whole adult life, I was actually born in Alaska, believe it or not. Um, so I was born in Alaska in a small town and like spent all of my like childhood over there. Um, so that's where I sort of, you know, grew up around American football and, you know, even though Alaska doesn't have its own sports team, like a professional sports team, you know, I obviously grew up in that culture and understanding it. And like, you know, my dad was really into American football and things like that. So that's where I sort of got into American football and understanding it. And then I've lived here, like I say, since I was like 20 years old. Um, so I lived 
pretty much like 50% of my life here. Um, so like probably US born and bred and then like honorary Irish or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it, that's where I sort of got the the background, the knowledge of it. But as far as getting into fantasy, it's really interesting because I never really played fantasy football for ages. And then probably about 10 years ago, um, I actually got into FBL, so Fantasy Premier League. And this is just through some guys at work and they were sort of like talking to me about it. And um, I'm a QPR fan for those of you who might know who they are. Um, potential promotion again this year. But uh, at the time, I remember we were in the Premier League. And so I was able to get like Charlie Austin and stuff like that on my like FPL squad. And I was enjoying that. And um, that was really fun the first year. And then I started getting a bit bored of it the second year. I was like, oh, it's just a bit samey. Like everybody's got the same players and everything. Everyone's kind of got the same strategy. And it just kind of feels meh. So I started digging into it a bit and then found out about like unique draft FPL and stuff like that. So there was an old platform called Tolga back then and stuff. And we used to play some guys from work and we would start drafting. And I was like, this drafting thing's really great. And then some guys at work just happened to mention NFL. They're like, have you ever played fantasy NFL? And it just like, it just like a light bulb moment went off in my head. And I was like, fantasy NFL. Why didn't I think of that? And so I went and did redraft for a few years um, and really enjoyed it. But just because of my personality and like, you know, just being addictive and just liking to go down the rabbit hole and learn more. And, and I always hated the element of like, like, you know, drafting this team and trading and working the waiver wire and building this great team and getting to the playoffs and then like just starting all over from scratch again the next year. So after a few years, I just decided redraft wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It was just the it was just the gateway drug. And so I got into Dynasty and I just was hooked ever since. So um that's that's kind of the weird evolution. It's like I, I got from football, soccer into American football, even though American football would have been something I would have been more familiar with growing up, you know, as a kid and stuff. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into it. Sort of a back to front. I think that's to be honest, how most people go from redraft to dynasty, isn't it? Is that that kind of want for for more and for the off season yeah season is very long for a redraft player yeah absolutely and then how did you make that jump from kind of playing to to kind of producing content yeah well that's another weird story as well to be fair um so i played there for a few years and i just really <clears throat> really enjoyed it and i'm one of those people that have got into content creating just because i love the game you know what i mean not because i'm like oh i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna be rich and famous i'm gonna be the next you know whoever or whatever it's just because i really love the game and it was just looking at you know the sort of why i got from redrafting to dynasty and then from dynasty sort of um just started learning more and it was actually it was really funny because it was in my kind of never-ending quest of knowledge and learning more and getting more into it that i eventually knocked on the door of idp a little bit because i didn't really know anything about idp it wasn't really because in i don't know about you guys but in dynasty i don't like to play team defense i just don't like it i don't like the the no, no kickers no defense the way, it, the way it's variable year to year you can have a great defense one year and then they suck and just anyways but um some people were talking to me about idp and i was like okay i'll try it you know pretty much try anything once and so i went and started trying idp and it was through that I was actually trying to learn about it. So I was reading up and listening to some podcasts and there was a certain podcast I was listening to. It was um, the, actually the IDP show now it's called. And it was just funny because I was chatting to a couple of guys that are co-hosts on the show on Twitter, uh, funny enough, and I ended up chatting through DMs on one of the guys and just asking him some questions about some players and trying to get some idea of strategy and things like that. And we started, he's a Vikings fan as well. So we started commiserating about our years of pain and loneliness and <clears throat> you know lack of championship trophies and things like that. And I just happened to sort of say almost in an offhand way. I was like, oh, I really love, love the podcast. You guys are doing a great job. And, you know, I'd love to do that someday. You know, maybe just that'd be cool and everything. And, and he was just like, well, you should do it. I was like, 
oh, okay you think so and he's like yeah you, you seem knowledgeable you seem like you know you know what you're talking about and like you're passionate about it. he's like just go for it there's no you don't have to be qualified like there's no quality qualification for it right okay i don't know how to do that and then i'd actually been following garrett price over at dynasty nerds for a while at that stage um they were one of the first dynasty podcasts that i started listening to dynasty nerds and it was just really random i just sort of like oh, i don't know what to do here so i just dropped into his dms and kind of give him like a pitch of like hey i, I, I honestly i didn't i wasn't trying to <clears throat> get involved with dynasty nerds or anything i was just actually trying to pick his brain as somebody i respected in the industry and i was like hey could you maybe just make 10 minutes to chat to me sometime about how you got into it and what your process and journey was and he was just really gracious with chatting to me and um he, he literally had a made time to actually have a conversation with me and stuff and we had our com first conversation and it was so funny because at the end of it he was just like you know i think yeah would you like to come and do some writing for us and i was like uh, <laughs> uh let me think about it and um it had just that real like imposter syndrome at the time you know like oh, i'm not qualified for this or you know i never i never played in the nfl or whatever like like as if anybody who like oh well, very few people who create content for fantasy have actually played even college football let alone nfl but you know in your mind you're thinking all those things so Anyways, long story short, yeah, he, he just was like, yeah, come on. So I did it. And then that, that's where it started. Just started writing a couple articles and started doing more and more of that and spent some time in the space on Twitter, getting to know people and things, and then started doing ranking for them as well. And I'd always sort of wanted to do a podcast, but I'd always been waiting. And then I just, again, decided like, why am I waiting? I just need to go for it. So I started the debates this year um, during the season when the, when the season week one started. So yeah, apologies for long-winded answers. I have the gift no, of the gab as they like no, to say. I, here, so I needed to learn to shut up. <laughs> no, I love it. I think I think that's it. Is that a lot of people that make that jump into content creation? It's it's nobody sort of you're almost taking that big hurdle that first step, and it feels so massive, doesn't it, to start doing it? Yeah. But actually, you know, I'd encourage anybody to, to you know to reach out to people to just start writing because I think you know I I absolutely love it, and you know it's something I basically spend every <laughs> every minute of every day thinking about. And, um, yes. Yeah. Don't warning warning you can lose lose your social life if you get into it too much <laughs> exactly that go on then, liam i know you're dying you can you can lead us away with your your cocktail of the week i hope you got something special well i don't know how i'm going to follow up that uh that whole spiel about the fancy football evolution because this is a very small cocktail it's literally a shot glass that's so not a cocktail that's a shot it's a well you can have a cocktail shot you Come on, like get, make about six of them, and then you could call it a cocktail. <laughs> I, I have done that before. I have done that before, but this is a paradise morning. I've never had it before, so this is going to be the first time. It's pineapple juice and amaretto. Um, I'll tell you how it is at the end of the stream because I don't know when I'm going to have it. <laughs> so, what you're saying is you're going to shot it at some point during the, the, the stream. Point, and, uh, yeah. So, if your face goes really funny, it's not because you're annoyed at what we're saying, basically. Yeah, if I run off, it's probably because I'm going to throw up or something. Lovely. Do it on, Lovely. on live stream. That would be good, good quality. <laughs> exactly. Quality video. It's all about the content. Quality content. <laughs> right. Let's move on from that. So, the significant news this week Rich did remove this. Um, remove this section. I'm not going to let him get away with it because um, there's always significant news. So he removed it. And then within the last two hours from recording, we had Sean Payton retire or step away from the game, as people are saying. Um, so that's going to be another head coaching position available. And then some Vikings news for you, Evan. Um, yes. I'm sure you've already seen. So the Bears and the Vikings have both hired a GM 
and they are two names I have never heard of before. So <laughs> take that for what you will, but I'm not that clued into the GM circle. So Evan, I don't know how involved you are with the GM hire or anything along those lines. Do you have any pearls of wisdom or are you just waiting to see what happens? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I always, you, you sort of always know the, the really high level names, don't you? Like the Gettleman's and the guys that you don't want and the guys that you're worried <laughs> about getting. Um, the guy that we've ended up going with here, I know a little bit about, but I really need to dig in more. I'm, I'm, I, I am, um, at first blush, I am happy and excited about the signing um you know he's only i believe 40 so it's nice to have someone that's young um someone hopefully forward thinking my understanding is that he's quite analytically driven which i like um you know i'm a big fan of like staley and what he's doing at the chargers and things like that so i know he's got a background in sort of like wall street and things like that which i think is really good because an interesting thing i sort of dug into last year and this year a little bit in the off season is just the fact that i think we sort of have this misunderstanding that like to be a good gm you need to be a football person like as in you need to have played football at a high level and stuff but there's quite a few different ways that you can tackle it and there's a lot of different ways that a gm can run an organization and ultimately the gm is first and foremost responsible for the business side of it so you actually want someone who's a good business mind and knows what they're doing and if they are you know if they are good at like scouting and that's their background and things that's brilliant but if not they can they can kind of like you know move that on to other people and, and stuff like that so i mean what i understand about him is he's analytically driven he's spoken of very highly within the organization i believe he was sort of headhunted away from the 49ers which is an organization that i think is a really well-run organization in general so again i sort of think of a lot of the different teams is almost like these different businesses and some are run really poorly like the Jaguars and some are run very well like the Steelers and, you know, 49ers and places like that. So I, I like his pedigree. I need to dig in a bit more, but at first blush, like I said, I am encouraged by it. I, I, this is breaking news to me though. I don't even know who the bears have signed. Like, do you guys know the name or do, who is it? It was, it was Ryan Post, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, I believe. Ryan, was it? See, I wanted I wanted Ryan's, you know, for us. So I'm a bit gutted there. Um, I think I think he was somebody I was really excited about coming from the Chiefs. Not not to be confused with Ryan Pace, who was the ex GM. So yes. maybe I saw he should back up with a fake mustache, <laughs> like um, Dwight trying to get the job for the manager. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was you. You guys were down to the final two, and then I think the Bears hired Ryan Poles, which kind of made your decision up for you. Yeah, um, we were supposed to have like another a second interview with him tomorrow, I believe. So they must have must have just made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, which is sad. I was really excited about him, you know, but that's really good for them, which sucks for us because same division. But yeah, exciting times. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, should we so, should we dive yeah. into the bulk of the show then, Liam? Yeah, because normally we run over, so I have a feeling that this podcast oh, is going to be the exact same. It's not helpful, Evan. We talk way too much as well. That's why we started a podcast. So, as the previous weeks, we've been doing the Dynasty positional review, and this week we are doing the quarterback position. So, just for those that may be listening for the first time, we go through the top 12 uh, scorers, from this year and we'll take a look at the end of any people that we want to maybe take a look at because their points per game were high and they finished in the top 12 that way or they were a surprise finisher outside the top 12 so evan first of all 
Josh Allen, who had an amazing game. And, and again, you, you feel sorry for him. We feel sorry for him. I'm pretty sure everyone in the, fan, mm. the football community that isn't a Chiefs fan feel sorry for him at this point. Um, I, I didn't, I'd like to say, as a Jets fan, I was very pleased. Uh, <laughs> the massive booze for Rich. Let's kick him out of the stream. So, Evan, he finished as the QB one this year. He was drafted as the QB two in ADP in August, and he's also going as the QB two in January ADP, both from DLF. So, he back to back years as QB one. Where do you have him ranked? What What do you feel about? Him, especially with his contract situation, he's not a free yeah. agent until twenty twenty nine. He's, I mean, for me personally, it was only literally like last week I think where I moved him officially to my QB one in Dynasty. I had had Mahomes there, and I think it was partly just I think the two are fairly interchangeable. Like if you want to argue that Mahomes is the QB one, I'm not going to fight you on that. But for me, it was just Josh Allen's one of those feel good stories where. I always liked him as a prospect and I was really high on him. I got a lot of Josh Allen, thankfully in dynasty between his sort of rookie and sophomore years where people were sort of down on him because of his um, incompletions, his interceptions, things like that. They're like, Oh, he's a, he's a bomb. He, he can run. That's about it. Um, I just really liked him. I sort of believed in him and I believed in again, what we're talking about like earlier, the GM, I liked this, the whole setup. I felt like, okay, these guys really believe in him. They traded up to get him. looks like they're going to build around him. I like them as GM and head coach and stuff. So I kind of, bought into the whole thing so for me it's just been a really fun journey to watch him from being somebody that a lot of people didn't even think was going to be a starter to now being not necessarily everyone's consensus of qb1 but i think very few people are going to have him outside the top three or four so i don't think you can go wrong either way him or mahomes i love josh allen i love his swag i love just who he is as a person i love his humor i just think he's an amazing player i mean i don't know if you caught if you did get to see the game man I couldn't believe, like, I don't know how you can not love the guy, even if you're a Jets fan, Rich. Come on, have a heart. <laughs> I mean, the guy, like, when he led them down and they went up with 13 seconds left, did you see him on the sidelines just screaming and shouting and just getting his defense all psyched up and everything? And it just, he just leads by example. You know, he puts his whole heart into what he does, you know, which is something that can't be said for, you know, maybe players like Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that, which, you know, can, can be that bit of a, you know, they have that bit of a vibe where it's, it's hard to like them. Sometimes you like the talent, you respect the talent, but Josh just seems like a genuinely good person. Same, same with Mahomes to be fair, but yeah, I'm all aboard the Josh Allen hype train. I think, yeah, go for it. Rich. I think for me, I, I, I was one of those people that, uh, that was, that was very low on Josh Allen. I wasn't a believer. Um, I didn't believe that accuracy could improve from from college to the pros and from year one to two and two to three. Um, I think, you know, outside of Josh Allen, that's pretty much been proved to be true. Um, but, you know, credit to him. He, he's the exception to the rule. Um, much like you, I, I had my homes at one up until I think probably about six weeks ago. Um, I finally bumped Josh Allen ahead. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's hard not to. He's, you know, he's tied into... A fantastic franchise, as you as you mentioned, he offers the rushing upside that fewer quarterbacks seem to have done over the last year. And when a guy's young, tied into the situation, got good weapons around him, and he's back to back QB, back to back years as QB one, for me, it's it's hard to rank him anywhere else. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, but I do have him as QB two. I think you're not with us, then. You're not with us. <laughs> No, I'm with you in the fact that they are very interchangeable and 
it's basically a coin flip for me. The only reason I've got Mahomes as one is the contract situation, if anything, and that's saying something. I mean, the, there's three years apart on their contracts, and that's about it. But that's if you're playing in Dynasty for the next 10 years. Um, I think realistically, it comes down to the type of team or the type of league format that you play in. If you play in a six point league, then Mahomes is my unquestioned um, quarterback one. But then if it's a four point touchdown for throwing and then six points rushing, you've got more of a case for me to put Allen and I think it's a coin flip uh, coin flip. If I'm picking at 102, I'm not unhappy with either of those. And I'd, I'd probably be more glad that I'm picking at 102 because I don't want to pick <laughs> out of either of those. Um, so moving on to understand oh, how go on, sorry, he was back to back QB ones as well. I don't think, I think he's the first time that that's happened since like 2012, 2013 with Drew Brees. So for the last first time in the last decade, someone has repeated as the QB one, which has always been a knock on people that finishes QB one because people are like, Oh, well, you know, I'm not going to repeat is that. And it's not to say he'll be the QB one again next year, but to Rich's point, I think he adds such a solid baseline with the rushing that then when he does have those blow up games of the four touchdowns, it's just it's hard to hard to say no. I, I'm not going to argue with you about him being QB one or QB two. I again coin flip, they're in a tier of their own. Um moving on to the finisher of QB two, that was Justin Herbert this year. He was going as QB six in August ADP and he rose to QB three as of today, basically. Um is he the next Mahomes Rich? I don't know where you want to go with this um, because you put this in the show sheet. Um, I, think, I think I'll basically, you know, I think both you and I, Liam, probably need to hold our hands up. We did a podcast back in August talking about potential yeah. overpriced players. And I, I seem to remember, remember us both saying that, that Justin Herbert as QB6 was outrageous. Um, you know, he was, he was closer to 12 than the top five. And, and we couldn't see how he'd have a world where he could produce because he didn't offer that elite rushing upside and I didn't think he'd have the high powered enough offense to, to get there, but, you know, ha happy to hold my hands up and say I was very wrong. Um, I know that I think basically some of the stats are hinting that his age, his production, it's, you know, it's Mahomesian. For me, I think that the QB two on the season, I don't know if I fully buy into it. I think we've seen him do that in a year where, Lamar, Kyler have all both been injured. I think Mahomes has, um, you know, had a down year with a lot of teams playing that cover two shell. And I think that for me, QB, QB2, QB3 is is still too rich for me. Um, I'd be much happier taking him outside what I've got as an elite four. Um, and I think he'd still be my QB5. I kind of hope that's not take lock. And, and I hope that I am going into it with an open mind, but uh, I don't know, Evan. Do you do you do you agree with me, or, or are you a, a Herbert believer? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to have to unfortunately disagree with you. I um, I have him <laughs> as my QB three in Dynasty, so right behind the top two there. I don't think he's quite at that level yet, but just so many things that we have seen from him. I mean, a lot of QBs, even like him, that are more you know, there's obviously the Hurts and those kind of quarterbacks that are their main thing that they bring to the table is their legs. And we hope that they can improve as passers and we hope they can improve as, you know, how they're, how they're running the game and getting others involved. But the great thing about Herbert is that he first and foremost is a great passer and he is a great quarterback. And so I love that, but he also does add a bit of rushing into it as well. He has, um, I believe he was top sort of 
Let me just check here. Red zone carries. He was number three for quarterback. So they do let him rush in the, in the red zone, which is lovely because um, you can always sort of get a few touchdowns there. He does add a little bit of a rushing. It wouldn't surprise me to see that pick up a little bit. But I, I just think a lot of times, you know, we see those QBs that come out like Baker had a great rookie year and then he kind of stepped back his sophomore year, you know, and that happens a lot where especially quarterbacks like Matt Ryan and stuff who are great passers but they're not necessarily rushers. They'll come back and statistically take a little bit of a step back. Sometimes their second year, not major, but just a little bit of a back step and then start moving forward again. Whereas we didn't really see that with Herbert. And that's what I love. Um, you know, his, his completion percentage was literally pretty much exact same. I mean, it was like less than a percent less. And, you know, his yards per attempt was a little bit higher than it was his rookie year. Um, and all, all this was in the midst of a change. So it was a new head coach, a new scheme, a lot of things changing for him. So that to me is very encouraging. I just, I think there's just a couple of throws of his that I've seen that I'm just like, I don't know how he does that. I mean, you see that with Mahomes, you see that with the, in that playoff game, you see that one where he kind of bends it around. I forget who it was, but the rusher had his arms up in the air and he kind of managed to bend it under the arms of the guy <laughs> through to the, the receiver. And you see some, some of these, especially I one of my favorite deep ball throwers is Herbert. I just love when he just like cocks back and just launches it. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. So I, yeah, I'm a believer. I think, um, the defense was pretty terrible this year and that could tie into why he was throwing it so much and why, you know, he had such a great year. So I could see that coming back a little bit if the defense gets a bit better because Staley is a defensive minded, you know, he was a DC before he was a head coach and stuff. So I could see that. But for me, I think what I love about him is that he offers that baseline of being a great thrower of the football. Um, so I don't need him to be amazing on his feet um, to give me those points. So I, I'm happy with him at QB3, but I understand the concerns and I understand people wanting to be a little bit a little bit, you know, less positive on him. I think, I think he's that, got the... Sorry, go on, Liam. I think that's a great point, though, is that we tend to see a dip in production when a quarterback goes to another scheme unless they are at that elite level. And Herbert never did that. And that's in his second year. That's quite insane to me. Um, the only concern that I have for Herbert is maybe Lamar and Kyler get back to where they were or where we expect them to be. Um, and specifically for Herbert, he loses Mike Williams this year, and he showed a real connection with Mike Williams. I'm not sure um, whether they're going to replace Mike Williams to the same extent that he has. But other than that, I mean, when you're talking about a quarterback or any player and saying, oh, he's losing uh, a quarter, uh, he's his third best weapon on the offense, and that's the only concern I have for him, then you've got a great yeah. quarterback there. And I can't fault anyone for putting him anywhere between quarterback five and three, to be honest. I think, I think as well, the... something that I always try to take into consideration, that's not the only thing. Obviously, it's not even necessarily the top two or three things, but with all these different players, quarterbacks especially, you want to look at like who is their coach, who is their GM, what is the organization like, and do you have – I mean, because it can all change. Obviously, we know that, but – I really, really like Staley as a head coach. Like he's one of, he's probably top five head coaches that I really like and really, and I love his approach to the game and he'll learn probably and he'll change some things, but even his approach um, analytically where he's like, I hate punting. I never want to punt and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's good for fantasy because if he's going to have him out there and he's going to be trying to go for it on any time where there's even a chance to go for it again, that just ties into that's a good thing for Herbert because if he's in fourth and three and he's going for it or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. So I think little things like that even can be taken into consideration when you're trying to rank these guys. I think if we're talking just purely arm talent, to me, Justin Herbert has got the most arm talent of any quarterback I've ever watched. And 
I take I don't take that comment lightly. Yeah, because, I was going to say that's a big comment. By by all means, you know you can throw out Aaron Rodgers, you can pr- throw out Patrick Mahomes. To be honest, you can even throw out Jamarcus Russell, which I appreciate is ridiculous, but the guy had an absolute hose. But Justin Herbert, I have never seen anybody have the level of explosion when he throws the ball, but yeah. also the ability to you know drop it into certain buckets, the touch on short throws. The ability to change arms angles, like he he basically combines the best of Mahomes with the best of Matt Stafford, and is in this kind of freakish, you know, melting pot. And from and he's an massive, answer, he's yeah, so tall. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's got everything. That's what I like. He's got all these things. You're taking these all these boxes because he's massive. Because that's one of the knocks on Kyler's. He's small. Can he hold up and things? He's a massive dude. And as well as that, I don't know about you guys, but like I've never seen him get rattled. He's just always so chill about just, everything. Just like, all right, cool, no worries. <laughs> and my, it's just like I love to see that in a quarterback. My only concern is that projecting him forward, I think he is going to settle into that pocket passer mold. I don't think he is going to rush as much as he has done these last two years moving forward. And that might be me thinking back to, you know, early 2000s quarterbacks of trying to create these perfect pocket passes. But I just think that he's the type of guy who has got that much arm talent and can win so much from the pocket. They don't need to risk the injury. And I don't think he needs to rely on that rushing ability. So for me, that's why I've got him at five, because I just think that he he's going to lose that rushing floor. To me, if that is your approach and that is a conservative approach and you've still got him as quarterback five, I think that says everything you need to know about the guy. Um, but without absolutely harping on Herbert and we should have taking another episode. Obviously. Exactly. We'll we'll get you back on later in the yes. uh, off season. Herbie. So part one, part three. <laughs> we'll have to do it. Talking about pocket passes though. Tom Brady, QB, three on the season. There's been talk this week about him retiring after the playoff loss. Where do you guys have him? So I'll come to you, Evan, first, because if he plays, he is a top 12 scorer, if not higher. If he doesn't play, which is a real possibility from the reports that are coming out, yes, it could be emotional. It's only been a couple of days since the um, loss to the Rams. If he does retire, that is a huge um, hit for any dynasty team, especially someone that's taken him in a starter. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's it's tough. Even like we talked, we didn't really touch on it too much earlier. But even like if that's true, and Sean Payton really has retired, I mean that that just kind of gives you a moment of pause, doesn't it? Because he's one of those characters that you just sort of get used to. They're like part of the furniture. You just you've grown up with them, you've grown up around them, and you just assume they're always going to be there. I feel like we kind of thought Tom Brady was done 10 years ago and he's kept proving us wrong and proving us wrong. But as much as I doubt it at times, he is human. And, you know, I sort of think the back of my mind, I sort of wonder whether he came back this year to try and win another Super Bowl, obviously. Um, but he wanted to break that Drew Brees record. He wants all the records. You know, he wants that. <laughs> and he's now got that in his back pocket. And, you know, you just sort of wonder what what left is there. I mean, I know he's super competitive. And, you know, I think he has made comments before about wanting to play until he's 45 and stuff. So if it's not, if this wasn't his last year, it's got to be very close to his last year. But I think you're right. There is, you know, 
if he comes back, he's still going to be productive. He hasn't looked bad by any means this year. He looked amazing. He finishes what QB three, QB four, like we said. So for me, it's very tricky. I think if you've got him, I'm probably just holding on to him and see how it goes, see how it shakes out, you know, because you're probably not going to get much for him and the risk of losing out on another year of him. You probably are a contender if you've got him, most likely. So you're probably best just to hold on to him. As far as like acquiring, if it was a very cheap price and it's like a super flex league, I would do it just to see. Like if somebody's like panicked and they're like, yeah, I have him for a third, I'd be like, all right, sweet. I'll take the chance, you know, and see what happens because it's a third round pick, you know, to dart throughout the best of time. So, that's where I'm at sort of, I, I wouldn't be like you say, if I was doing a startup, I wouldn't, I would want him as like my QB three or four, you know, I wouldn't be building my empire around, him. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Maybe you guys have some different info that I haven't seen yet. Rich will throw it over to you, mate. Cause he's going as the QB 16 in current ADP. I think that's too high for a guy that you're probably getting one, a very massive push two seasons out of. Where do you stand on this? I think it's, it, you know, as as the guy that sits here and says QB age is the most overrated aspect of Dynasty, um, it's it's hard for me to not be all in on Tom Brady. I think, look, for, for me, I'd, I'd happily go and buy him for possibly a late first in Superflex um, if I'm a contender. I think that there is absolutely no way that he's retiring. I think this is the most competitive man we have ever seen. And I don't think he's going out on... on the weekend's game. I think he's definitely back. I think that, you know, for me, next season, he's going to be a QB1 again. And I guess it's how high do you value one season of QB1 production. And for me, you know, I settle in as as that sort of late first. Um, I'm just doing, I'm doing an, an auction startup as we speak um, over the last few days. And he's he's just gone as the QB17, um, which, which I was a little bit surprised at. Um, but I think that for me, as I said, one year of QB one production, I'm happy paying a late first as a contender, obviously. So Evan, just one um, question for you there. As you said, you you if you take him, you're probably looking at uh, getting a, a fourth quarterback. Are you looking at taking him around the QB sixteen range and then getting two fairly late quarterbacks, so probably twenty four, twenty five range? What, what's your strategy there? Yeah, well, if it's a super flex startup, I definitely am. I lean towards the more QB heavy most of the time. I've done it the other way because, again, like I'm just a weirdo. I do all sorts of things. I've, I've tried like <laughs> late round QB and start in super flex. It's not fun. Like, honestly, I cannot recommend it. Um, but saying that, yeah, I mean, in my dynasty rankings, Tom Brady's currently like QB 22. So I. I understand what you're saying. I respect it. And you could be very well right because he's proven us wrong so many times. But I don't know, man. I just, um, I, because I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, right. So Tom Brady is so competitive and he's such a, you know, this is an intense dude. So which is, which makes more sense, right? Does he get to a Super Bowl, win his final Super Bowl and just ride out into the sunset that way? But then I'm like, I can't really see that happening because he's so competitive. I feel like if he won another Super Bowl, he'd be like, well, one more time. Let's do it one more time. You know, and it's like, <laughs> I, I, I just, and I don't ever want to see him go the way of like big ben i don't ever want to see him come back and as much as i hate tom brady like don't get me wrong like, i absolutely despise um all this uh, the pain and agony that he put us through for years as a patriot he's so much more likable now in in tampa bay and um i've kind of got, got come around on him a bit but i just i don't want to see that tarnish his record I, and i don't think he would happen this year i mean he looked amazing but i hope it doesn't ever get to that stage where he comes back one too many years and then he's just average or or bad you know yeah 
I, I agree. He's got so much more tolerable um, yeah. <laughs> being a buck. But we spoke about uh, the next player quite a bit earlier on, so we're not going to take too long on this, but Patrick Mahomes was the QB4. Uh, QB6 in points per game. He had a rough start to the season. Um, Rich, where are you drafting him at the moment? I know you've got Allen at one, so I'm assuming two. Yeah, he's, he's my one oh two in uh, in superflex formats. Um, he's, he's the guy's freak. Um, he's you know one of the one of the, the most talented players you've ever seen. Um, we we've talked. It feels like we've talked five or six times about the <laughs> the shift to this cover two shell and and how teams have kind of slightly forced the the Chiefs to adapt. And you know it, it feels like they're starting to get there. Um, obviously, we saw the the Bills run a lot of cover two and and cover one robber and and that kind of thing on Sunday. And I, I think that the Chiefs are now in a position where they're almost solved it. Um, and obviously, teams are going to come back with different schemes next year. But I do feel like Mahomes could be in for a, a, a truly monster year next year. I think it's it, it, he feels like he's he's back to the Mahomes of kind of two years ago. And Evan. I mean, Patrick Mahomes having a down year and he's still being QB6 in points per game. Um, how how do you project him for the future years? Because you've got some big contracts coming up. Kelsey is uh, quite old at this point. Are you worried about any of that? Or are you just no. caution to the wind and just go for it? Yeah, yeah. no, I've, I mean, this is this is the thing, right? Is like the, the guys who wanted to doubt or hate on Mahomes were kind of dancing on his grave a little bit there in the middle of the season saying like oh they figured Mahomes out and he's a fraud and all this kind of rubbish and it's like yeah okay you know what I mean it's it's just it is what it is he's amazing he's a special you know to to kind of borrow from like Daniel Jeremiah's analogy of trucks and trailers you know he's definitely a truck he elevates the play of those he plays with I mean for goodness sake we've been thinking Byron Pringle's halfway decent these last few weeks and that's because he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball so no I'm not worried about him at all and and I think Andy Reid's a really smart coach so you know yes Kelsey's getting a bit older and all that kind of stuff but I'm pretty sure they can just find somebody on the waiver wire yeah. <laughs> that they'll be able to plug in and make a tight end five or something on the year it wouldn't surprise me, but talking about haters, um, I'm pretty sure Evan is one of them. Aaron Rodgers was the QB5. Um, he was drafted as a QB12 in August ADP. So we'll throw it over to you, Evan, first. What, what, where do you have Rodgers? Because he's heading into another offseason of complete mystery. No one really knows what's going to happen with him. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. You nailed it. I mean... He's such an enigma, isn't he? Like, he's so strange. He's such a strange character. Like, the way he gets on with his family and the way he gets on with his fans and the way he gets on with the media. He's just so strange. Like, he's so talented. He definitely is one of the premier passers, you know, of the last 10, 15 years, for sure, 100%. Um, but, yeah, it's just so hard to know. It's so hard to know. Even those silly comments that he made after the game about not wanting to be part of a rebuild. And you're like, what are you talking about? This isn't a rebuilding team. You know, like, they're a very good team. Like, you guys have won more than any other team in the last couple of years, probably, in the regular season. So, I don't know. I think he just likes being center of attention, to be honest. I think he's a classic, like, narcissist who loves the spotlight. And I don't even know if he believes half the stuff he says sometimes. So, it's hard to say. I mean, I still think he's, you know, a fantastic quarterback, as as obviously like we talked about, and he's not even as old as Brady. So, you know, I definitely, 
I'm not as extreme as Rich, but I agree with Rich in the sense that like age is overrated when it comes to quarterbacks and things like that. You know, I especially with Rodgers. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I prefer if there's a younger option that I think, especially for me, I'm a big believer in Konami code quarterbacks. So if there's a younger option that has legs and stuff like that and likes to run, I'll err on that side. But for me in Dynasty, even like even for a startup, like Rogers is just outside that top 12. Um, but only because there's guys that are young up and coming that I think are really talented that I'm really excited about. And if I'm starting out, I'd rather have, you know, somebody who's 22, 23, and I can just figure it out and build on that. Whereas if I'm contender, Rogers is definitely one of the top guys I'd love to have on my team next year. So Rich, where do you see him next year? Because he, he's gone up in ADP since August by two positions. So he's QB 10 now, but I think his value, his trade value has actually dropped and it will continue to drop during the off season until the season starts back up and we know where he's going to be. Um, where do you have him currently? So I think he's my, my QB nine currently. I'm I'm all in on my um Rogers. I think he's he's my number one buy this offseason. I've said it in a couple of different places. I think, you know, if there is any dip in terms of price at the moment with people being uncomfortable around potential landing spots, um, then I'm I'm absolutely scooping up. If I can have him as my QB two in a Superflex league, I'm I'm absolutely laughing. I think from my perspective. He is in a fantastic situation in Green Bay. You know, yes, we can talk till we're blue in the face about the second receiving option, and it seems that everybody talks about it. But if he returns in Green Bay, I think all of this talk is all about him trying to get leverage. And I think that there's, you know, no way that if he returns to Green Bay, Devontae Adams is going anywhere. And yes, I get that the, the cap situation isn't, isn't great for Green Bay at the moment. But I think basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to force the Packers to do something that they've never done and sort of mortgage future years and kick money down the road to win now. And I think that's all about this talk and everything. But even if even if he does leave, there is no way that Aaron Rodgers is going to a worse situation. If he does leave in free agency, he is going to go to a, a situation like a Pittsburgh, like a Denver, where he will have a better offense around him than he's got in Green Bay. So that's only a better situation. His value is only going to increase. So yeah, I'm I'm all over him this offseason. I'm trying to pick him up. I've already got quite a few shares. I'm trying to pick up even more because if I can get him as my QB2, um, and you know, you're, you're talking around that sort of late QB1 range, whether it be sort of people who got him in 10 to 15, I'm I'm absolutely happy to to pick him up in that value. Um I'd probably pay maybe two mid firsts, um, maybe sort of a, a later 2022 and a, a future 2023 first for him right now. I think that's probably about the value that I've got. I think his comment about not wanting to be a part of rebuild is exactly what you said, where he's basically saying that, not saying that he won't play, but he's trying to force the front, the Green Bay front office um, to not go into a rebuild because they don't want to test him, basically. Um, but talking about rebuilds, and this is a quarterback that came into a rebuild and within two years he turned it around. So Joe Burrow, QB6 on the year, QB9 in points per game. Um, Evan, is he getting hyped up way too much with the playoffs? Is he getting that playoff bump? Or do you have him ranked pretty highly, if not in the, the second tier, should we say? Yeah, I think it's probably, um, I think it's probably a both. 
thing. <laughs> I think it's probably <laughs> both. I, I do think he's actually really special quarterback. Um, but I do think he's probably getting even more hyped because of how the Bengals are doing in the playoffs. And it's a feel good story, isn't it? Um, and we love that. We love the underdog story. Um, but yeah, no, I, I actually do think he's a very special player. Uh, I have him as my QB five in dynasty. So yeah, I kind of, he's kind of a rung or two down from that top, top tier, but I mean, yeah, I just think he's the surrounding cast obviously is incredible. I love Jamar Chase, love T Higgins and Tyler Boyd is one of the best wide receiver threes you could possibly ask for. Joe Mixon's a great running back. They need to work on their offensive line, but I'm hoping they do that this off season. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a really good, and you know, it's interesting. Um, I was listening to, do you guys know uh, Jordan Palmer? He's like a famed kind of QB whisperer. He trains a lot of the guys in the off season and things like that, or in the, in the run up to their drafts and stuff. And he was talking about a couple different players and he actually started talking about Burrow a little bit. And, you know, he made a comment and it wasn't an offhand comment, but it really struck me. And he said, you know, he said to him, which obviously he lives and breathes quarterbacks. He sees them all the time. He's helped, you know, train up some of the best quarterbacks we have. Um, and he said for him, he said, confidence is the most important attribute to a quarterback. And that's what he said. I mean, then he's the, he's the professional, not me. And he was saying it in context of, he was saying Josh Allen and Joe Burrow have that confidence. He's like, they literally believe they are the best quarterback in the planet right now. And nobody can stop them. And then you see that in their game, you know, and I think Joe Burrow is that he's, he's, he believes in himself. He is so confident that he, especially his connection with Jamar Chase, he just believes that Jamar Chase is going to come up with those balls. Um, so yeah, I absolutely believe in him. I believe in the talent, especially you got to think about, he's not athletic in the sense of like a, you know, a Lamar Jackson or something like that. He's never going to rush for a thousand yards, I don't think. But he's sneaky athletic. I think he he does know when to use his legs. He's not afraid to use his legs. And I think just coming back from that horrific knee injury, you really saw him growing in his confidence down the stretch of the season. So I'd be really interested to see if their offensive line gets a bit better going into next year. He might actually even add a little bit with his legs, which would be great for obviously fantasy. But yeah, I'm I'm all aboard the Joe Burrow hype. I mean, not as like the number one or number two, but absolutely he's young. You know, he's superstar. He's got an amazing surrounding cast and like yeah i think he's brilliant I, I do think he's a special talent rich throwing it over to you he's currently going as the qb6 um as evan said he's got a great supporting cast and i think the unique thing about his situation is all of that cast uh um contracted for at least three years i think there might be an out in mixon's uh contract in the next few years just off the top of my head but all of them are at least contracted for two to three years um, if that 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 kind of allows the Bengals to focus on the offensive line, and if that offensive line gets better, do you think that Burrow is going to climb your rankings? Yeah, I I, I could easily see it. I think I loved Evan's point there about the rushing ability. Um, you know, we saw it in his rookie year; he was rushing more. He only had forty rush attempts this year, um, and I do think a lot of that is you know coming off that injury. You know, he, he said himself that he, he didn't really trust the knee fully until the middle of the season. And I do wonder if with another off-season under his belt, we could see him get back to, you know, he's, he's never going to be Kyler, he's never going to be Lamar, and he's certainly never going to be Jalen Hurts. But if he can get into that sort of Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert range, where he's adding, you know, four or five touchdowns and maybe 100 rushing attempts, sort of three, 400 yards, that would that would be fantastic for, for his fantasy and, and certainly dynasty value. Um, but let's be honest, the, the reason Joe Burrow is has had the season he had is that he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. 
Um, you just look at the stats. He, he led the league in completion percentage. He led the league in um, percentage of catchable balls thrown. He led the league in completion percentage when under pressure. The, the guy between the years has got it. Um, and I think that I'm very happy building any dynasty team ar- around him as as my QB1. You know, if I can get him as a, as a QB2, then I'm, I'm absolutely delighted and loaded moving forward. So moving on to Matthew Stafford as the QB7 on the year, QB10 in points per game. This is one of the biggest jumps we have in the top 12 in terms of ADP compared to um, performance. He went to the Rams this first year to the Rams, got traded, and he produced the wide receiver one, which is Cooper Cup, who is, for the first time from my point of view, um, I haven't been watching the NFL as long as either of you two and a lot of the community. Um, I've been watching probably since 2013-ish. But this is the first quarterback, uh, the first wide receiver I can think of off the top of my head in those years that has seriously been considered as as an MVP candidate, and if not, the top of that list. So, Evan, throwing it to you first, Matthew Stafford, do you think he's going to do this next year? I don't see any reason why not. I really don't. Um, I mean, it's a big statement asking you if he's going to do produce another wide receiver one, as in the wide receiver one. But as yeah, you said, yeah. I don't think there's any reason why he can't. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's very hard to do, and it'll be very hard for him to live up to what he did this year. But I just, it to me, it was like you saw that in that playoff game that we thought was so crazy, and it was like when the when crunch time came, who did he look for? It was Cooper Cup, you know, and. um yeah, I just think hey, Cooper Cup is a really good receiver and he's great at, you know, yards after catch and he's exactly what you want if you're a Matthew Stafford, you know. So I'm a big Matthew Stafford fan, to be honest. I always loved Matthew Stafford. I love the gunslinger mentality. And I always sort of believed that I always sort of there was a lot of arguments, I think, for years over like because he never won a playoff game, you know, and it was like, well, is it is it he's not really as good as people make out and he does make those stupid mistakes sometimes with the silly turnovers and the silly interceptions? Or is it just that the surrounding cast wasn't good enough in the coaching and things? And I was always I always erred towards the side of it's the cast and it's the coaching and things like that. But um, it's been nice to see it play out you know and it's been nice to see him actually have his best what i believe off the top of my head i think it's like his statistically his best um you know season for a lot of in a lot of different categories for like completion percentage and things at least best for a long time um you know so it's it's definitely been really nice to see and i think i'm a big cam Akers fan it's been a miraculous to see him come back from a you know achilles oh, this yeah, year he didn't look great against the bucks but the bucks have an amazing run defense and he's only like his second game back from an achilles tear so i think next year if he's really solid and really had a great off season and they can really establish the run game the way they want i think it could be just as good if not a better year for him you know and if robert woods is back healthy things like that for stafford yeah the only only knock on him you know Obviously, he's had his health concerns um, in the past, but he seemed, he's a very tough dude. He's one of the toughest quarterbacks there is. And um, the only other thing will be the running. You know, unfortunately, he is one of those classic sort of he's, – he's like the dying breed of like elite pocket passers that just doesn't offer you much with rushing upside. So he needs those touchdowns to really stay high. But that always has been the case with um, – 
with the Rams, you know, under McVay, they are, they do get a lot of touchdowns and he's got a great cast there. I mean, if he can get Robert Woods, Cooper cup, Van Jefferson's come on a lot, you know, if OBJ comes back or whatever, signs a friendly deal, something like that. I mean, yeah, I think again, he's sort of similar to Rogers. He's like, I think he's just outside my top 12 only because I think we've been really blessed with like a lot of like really exciting young quarterbacks coming in and a lot of them do use their legs. I think that's the modern game. So it's not a knock on him per se, but absolutely. I think he's going to have a couple more years. He's only what, 32, 33 years old. So he should have at least a couple more years, I would say. I mean, they seem really happy with him in LA. Yeah, Rich, where do you fall with this? Because as Evan said, he, he makes those silly mistakes sometimes, but he's, his value at the moment seems to be quite low compared to um, compared to his finish. He's currently going as the QB 15. Um, I know that I have him much higher than that, and I know that you, Rich, looking at your rankings, you've got him higher than that. Um, do you think he's massively undervalued right now because of his age? Yeah, I think, you know, I talked about it a bit with Tom Brady that I think age is, is overrated, but I think Stafford's probably the number one um, kind of proponent of that. This is a guy that he he's not sexy because he's not, you know, Jalen Hurts who's going to have 100-yard rushing games and you can say, oh, he's only 23 and you're, you're going to have him for the next 20 years. But would you be shocked if you had Matt Stafford as a solid kind of back-end QB1 over the next three, four, five years? Well, to me, if I can get production of, you know, of a back-end QB1 for for that many years, then I'm absolutely delighted. Um, I think, you know, if you can get him, you're saying QB15 prices, I think that's that's an absolute bargain. I think he's, to me, he's the dream steady QB2 for my Superflex team. So I've talked about it a few times where if I'm going stable at QB2, then I'll go risky at QB3 and pump for that massive upside. Whereas if I go upside at QB2, I'll go stable at QB3. But I really like Matt Stafford. I think that, you know, yes, we can talk all, all till we're blue in the face about the Rams and how they don't value draft picks and things like that. But actually, they're in a pretty good cap situation. You know, they're they're up against the cap for next year, but they've, they've got some easy moves they can make. Matthew Stafford's contract has got no dead money left, so they can easily restructure that and, and kind of, take some money down the road and and I would be shocked to see them potentially you know add to this kind of skill position weapons whether that's they've got Robert Woods coming back next year whether they could potentially you know re-sign Odell or, or bring in somebody in free agency I think that this offense could get even better next year rather than uh, than take a step back so you're not projecting your uh, draft love of two to out well to be the wide receiver three next year I think that if Tutu Atwell's healthy and, and in the right role, uh, then, uh, then yeah, I think he, he could certainly add something to this offence. You spoke about him and you referenced him, Rich. Um, we'll come to you straight away. So Jalen Hurts, QB8 on the season, QB7 in points per game. Um, uh, as you put on the show sheet, he feels like a massive, huge risk, um, huge reward player who could go either way. Um, the Eagles have three first-round picks this year. Um, has he shown enough that he's going to keep that franchise quarterback role or at least the starter role for the next two years? Um, and I think, that would I think, create massive dynasty value for him if he does. 
I think for me, he's shown enough that he will be the starter somewhere. I think if the Eagles make a big move and, and go and get a quarterback, whether that's in the draft, via a trade or whatever, I wouldn't be shocked if Jalen Hurts suddenly gets moved and they they move forward with Minshew as the QB2. Um, I think that, as I said, he's, he's huge risk reward. I think if you take him at his current cost, you could be sitting pretty and... and feeling very good that you've got a QB1 next year or or you could equally, you know, he could completely blow up and offer you nothing. So it's it's a guy that I'm not particularly comfortable rostering at the moment. I don't think it's a good opportunity to go and sell because I think that his value is lower than that kind of prudential production. But um, it's not a guy that I'm, I'm just comfortable with at the moment. And Evan, I think he, to me, is the opposite of Matt Stafford. I know Rich touched on it being Matt Stafford being the undervalued currently ADP, I think Hertz is going as the QB seven in January ADP. So I would say that's way higher than I'd have him. Would you agree with that? Do you have him in your top twelve uh dynasty quarterbacks right now? No, I yeah, he's an interesting character. I have him let me just check. He's QB fifteen for me. Um and yeah, I think it just purely comes down to I think it's it's sort of very much along the lines of what Rich was saying. I I think that in dynasty in fantasy football we get excited because you know there's maybe 15, 16, 17 quarterbacks that we're like, hey, we can get decent production weekly out of blah blah blah. But we forget that there's like thirty two teams in the NFL, um, you know, and and in the real life NFL, I think he's definitely proven that he's good enough to be a starter somewhere or that the, at least I would say, let me rephrase that. There's at least teams that would certainly take a chance on him being their starter compared to what they were running out every week. I mean, Washington football team comes to mind, you know, like there's definitely several teams, um, you know, the Steelers are going to be looking for a quarterback, not that they want Jalen hurts as their quarterback, but I'm saying if he was all of a sudden available or if he was a free agent or if he was on the market, you know, then there's definitely teams that would come knocking. So he's certainly better than a lot of the other options out there. So I think from a, from that perspective, unfortunately yeah i'm not qb7 high on him just because i think there is a solid 12 13 14 qbs that are talented quarterbacks and offer rushing upside he offers the rushing upside we're yet to see if he's a talented quarterback so if it's that prices and i i have him i'm happy to sell at that price if i can get you know for me if you're saying he's a qb7 i mean that's lamar jackson territory for me so if somebody wants to give me Lamar Jackson and a little something for my Jalen Hurts or whatever, then I'm absolutely 100% happy to do that. So that's where I would sort of come with, come down with it. I definitely don't think he's, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, he's rubbish and you know, you're wasting your time and he's going to be out of the league in a year or two. But at the same time, I'm not convinced that he's, you know, the next elite top five QB. Um, I, I, it's yet to be seen, but I, I'm, that's where I would land. Yeah. I, I think with Jalen Hurts, it's, um, I think it's, coming off recency bias with how good he has been for fantasy in the season as we move into the off season i think his price will drop a lot more um and speaking about price drops and who's going to actually benefit from that Dak prescott finishes the qb12 uh, qb9 sorry um and i think he's going to benefit from that so i've got him as my qb7 um so obviously when hurts goes down um you would expect anyway Dak to be the the next qb7 so, Evan, where do you stand on that? Because at the start of the season, he was the, in that top five tier um, and people were taking him anywhere between three and five, I think was the most common area that I saw him. 
So do you still have him in that range, um, especially with what you can, which is crazy to think, but what you kind of consider a down year for him, especially with that offense and that those weapons? Yeah, I've had a good long think about it, actually, because I, I am a big Dak fan for the last few years. I've always been a big Dak guy. Um, not that I'm a big Cowboys fan, but I just like Dak. I like him as a person. I like his story, you know. But yeah, for me, I've sort of held firm at the minute. I'm at QB6, so I'm kind of splitting the difference. I'm not putting him in the top tier top shelf or anything but i'm not dropping him down to like qb 10 or 11 i think that's a very high powered offense obviously i think it's yet to be seen i don't think you know this is going to settle well with uh, jerry the way that they like you know just bombed out of the playoffs again so i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens i wonder you know what's gonna if there's gonna be a change at the head coaching position or not but um yeah i mean for me my biggest concern for dak actually surprisingly is the rushing like we've talked about it's um he used to be a real rushing quarterback he definitely added a really safe floor for his rushing upside and unfortunately you know this year it's other than his injury year, it's his least rushing attempts, his least rushing yards, by far his least yards per carry. And he only gave you one rushing touchdown. So it's kind of like a lot of his safe floor is gone a little bit. And so when they have those games where maybe they're just beating up on teams and Zeke and, you know, Pollard are getting the ball a lot, he's maybe not doing as much for you as you would have liked. But then again, he also has those blow up weeks where he gives you the four touchdowns and, you know, just they just absolutely go out and smash it. So I'm sort of holding firm. I'm in the middle, you know, like I'm happy with him. I still think he's a very good quarterback, real life quarterback. So that helps him. Uh, he's definitely not old by any stretch of the imagination. So absolutely for me, it'll be one where we wait and watch and see what the market does. If people are really out on him and they're building this narrative that he's just rubbish now or something weird, then I'll absolutely be buying him and, and adding more DAC shares. But if for some reason the hype starts building again and everyone's like, actually, wait a second, you know, he's QB three or something, then I'll probably be selling at that price. What about you, Rich? Because Dak at the moment, I think he's basically perfect. Uh, he, as I said, QB7 for me, he's currently going as QB8. Do you still have him in that elite tier of the, the, the I, su I suppose it could be seen as a top two or a top three tier um, of the top six that we've spoken about mostly already? Do you have him just outside that range? Or Yes, he's fallen out of the top six for me. Um, I think he's he's the next man up. Um, but I think that he's just, you know, he, he didn't perform as from a fantasy perspective as we'd hoped this year. I, again, you know, Evan's point about the, the rushing upside, I, I, I think, again, it could potentially link, link back to that, um, that injury. And, and obviously he didn't have the, the most steady preseason camp with his shoulder issue. And, um, I think that, Again, I don't know whether I'm holding out hope, but I, I think that that rushing element should come back again this year. I think that offence takes a step forward when he offers that rushing potential. Um, I don't think he's ever going to get back to what he was, but I do wonder if next year he settles into kind of halfway in between this year and, and the year before as such. Um, but I think that that, that, that offence, everybody knows that I love the receiving weapons in that offence, and I think that, it's going to be great for fantasy. And I think that if Dak's at the helm, I, I trust him to, you know, deliver the ball and, and put up stats. Um, but I, I just have those those six elite guys just ahead of him. I think Dak is very similar to Burrow in the aspect that he had that injury last year and he's kind of coming back from it and he's trying to work through it. And, and as you said, Evan and, and Rich on Burrow, I think it's going to be very similar for Dak in the aspects of a, a rushing attack. But 
he, I don't think he's ever going to get anywhere close to where we see the next player on the list, Kyler Murray. Um, he finished as the QB 10 on the season. However, he was the QB 4 in points per game. Um, Rich, I'm coming to you first because uh, you've put a question in the show sheet of can he play a full season? And I want you to take this one away. <laughs> I feel like I've stitched myself up. Um, I think basically if, if, if Colin Murray stays fit, he is dynamite for fantasy and everybody's seen that and and you know when healthy he he it feels like he'd be pushing that top two tier um and he'd be challenging josh allen and and patrick mahomes for that qb1 spot but i just i i'm really concerned that we've now seen it is it three years on the trot that he's he's got that injury that niggly injury mid-season and his production has plateaued um and you know, yes, he he takes fantastic care of himself when he's rushing with the ball, and he does avoid those big hits. But he still seems to consistently get injured, and for me, that's the only thing that's stopping him um, kind of being in that elite tier. I think that for me, I'm 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 happy taking the risk because I think over the next few years he he will settle down. Um, but I, I I am concerned. It is. I just want people to know. I'm happy taking him as my QB3 overall, but it is a risk because you are playing kind of playing with the, the injury factor as such. How about you, Evan? Because I've got Kyler and Lamar as kind of like a coin flip three and four. So I've got Lamar just ahead. Um, I know that you mentioned earlier that Lamar was QB7 for you. Um, mm. So where do you have Kyler? And, and I suppose where I'm going with this is, do you see Lamar being very close to him or or not? Because both me and Rich have got him very close. Um, so I've got Kyler at QB4 and then Lamar at QB7. So I've got Burrow and Dak between the two. Um, Dak, just because I think Dak is a better passer and stuff like that than Lamar, you know? So I think he's a better, well, all-round quarterback. Um, and Joe Burrow is similar. You know, he's, I think he's incredibly intelligent. I mean, from everything I've heard, you know, he's just such a smart guy, the way he understands things and the way he, like, reads the game and understands the game. And then, like, we talked about the confidence factor. Kyler is just amazing what he does on his on his feet, you know, and you've got to give him that. But I think he also, thankfully, is, is fairly accurate as well. He's quite a good passer, and I think I've seen a little bit of progression from him um in those areas as well i i honestly wonder part of it for me is i i wonder how much of this is a, a cliff kingsbury problem uh i do wonder that i'm not sold on cliff kingsbury being a great coach i mean he just he has never he doesn't I, I don't get it i don't really get it i mean and to be fair like halfway through the season i was sort of willing to like hold up my hands and be like okay i was wrong he's obviously a great coach look how good they are but look how they fell apart in the second half of the season and a great coach knows how to make adjustments and you know even to be honest, I feel like why take Rondale Moore if you're not going to use him? You know, if you're not going to use him when you need creativity, when you're dying for creativity, when your quarterback isn't as mobile as he could be, and you've got a player who's insanely fast, great at yards after the catch, why are you not using him more than just like as a gadget player, especially when you're missing DeAndre Hopkins? And I don't know. I just find all of it very strange. I think part of it is a Cliff Kingsbury problem. So I'm 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 pretty happy with him as QB four. I do have a little bit of concern, like Rich said, with the injuries that keep keep cropping up a little bit. But he's definitely a really nice blend of elite rusher, very good passer as well. 
he's not as good as some of the guys that we have up there, but that's why he's QB four, not QB one or two. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty, pretty happy with Kyler overall, especially if, especially if Cliff Kingsbury gets the heave ho, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So let's move on. And I've lumped the next two quarterbacks. So the quarterback 11 and 12, um, in a tier of their own kind of thing, because they were both quarterbacks that are drafted pretty late and then have jumped up inside the, the top 12. So Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, Evan, um, I'm not going to ask for your <laughs> opinions of him quite yet. I'm sure that most Viking fans have a, a good opinion of uh, Cousins or, or lengthy opinion, shall we say. Um, and then Wentz, um, Carson Wentz, I mean, people slated him all through the season because of a poor season. And yeah, he wasn't brilliant, but from a fantasy point of view, he's a quarterback 12. Um, he was the quarterback uh, 16 in points per game. So, Evan, we'll start with you. Um, how do you feel about both of these quarterbacks going forward? Because they're both the the kind of take late and you'll get some production out of them type of quarterbacks. They're not like the young quarterbacks that you'll probably see go ahead of them. Yeah. I mean... Where are you checking? So just, just out of curiosity here, because when I look at things like I'm seeing Wentz as a QB 15, um, when I look at like fantasy pros and stuff like that. So where did you see him as QB 12? Because I didn't think he finished as QB 12. Uh, I'm taking my stats from uh, from Dave Wright's spreadsheet. So um, yeah, okay. I, I, will, I will check on him. I think I just checked on, from Yeah, Rome. I just was because I looked up on one of my sleeper leagues while we were talking there and he was QB 14. And then on Fantasy Pros, he was QB 15. So he was a little bit outside that QB 12. But anyways, um, you know, it's probably splitting hairs, to be fair. I'm just a little bit anal about stuff like that. But um, no, I, I'm not a big Wentz guy. I was a little bit like, okay, I can understand the the thought process of him going back to his old coach, you know, where he had the best production, things like that. Um, and it had its okay moments, you know, but like obviously the spectac- spectacular meltdown there at the end of the season wasn't ideal. And I'm worried about just, you know, the way that the general manager and the way that the head coach aren't even coming out and like fully committing to him for next year, even though it would make a lot of sense for them to, because they've kind of given up a first round pick for him. So you sort of would think they would have to commit to him at least for another year, whereas they've been a little bit like non-committal and they both strike me as the type of men that they're not really these like shyster, like, you know, used car salesmen, like say one thing and mean another. They kind of seem like the kind of people that come out and just say what they mean and just stick with it. So the fact that they're, kind of equivocating about whether or not he's the dude next year <laughs> makes me a little bit worried. So um yeah, I'm not huge fans. Let's needless to say, I'd probably be higher on Cousins than I would on Wentz. Um I don't like Kirk Cousins personally as a Vikings fan just because I don't think he has the it factor. I think he's puts up some good stats for fantasy and um I just don't I just don't think he's elite i think he's just one of those guys that if he gets in the right situations he can put up some good figures um he is an accurate passer and so i think he'll be around for a few years still definitely so i think in superflex he's a great qb2 to have for sure qb2 qb3 um and he's always under what he actually does produce it seems like but carson Wentz, i'm not i wouldn't want him as personally more than a qb3 or four in a superflex league that's where i'm at i think um your point is interesting about the uh, top 12 quarterbacks, because when I just had a quick look, I noticed that Tanner Hill is uh, the quarterback 12 in um, a four-point touchdown league that I'm in. So you could also lump him in this um, in this tier as well of unsexy starter and 
potentially yeah. even QB2 range. Um, Rich, I know that you think, um, I think that you have these guys all in the same tier, essentially, or, or have the same view on them, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're just, you've pretty much hit them in the head, aren't you? They're that unsexy that, you know, that you, they're going to probably going to give you 16 starts. They're, they're not injury prone. They tend to, to be pretty reliable in that aspect. And you never feel particularly great starting them, but they're never going to completely, you know, maybe, yes, both of them will have one or two weeks a year where they'll completely implode. Um I think I'm probably a little bit more bullish than you, Evan, by the sounds of things from Wentz being the starter in Indianapolis perspective. Um, I think given the fact that they've, they've paid that draft capital to go and get him, um, you know, with his contract situation, I, I don't see them paying him, you know, if they cut him, they're still paying him 15 million or or if they yeah. keep on the roster, paying him almost 30 million. I can't see a team that's paid, what was it, a, a first and was it yeah. a second or a third? plus 30 million to do anything but start the guy. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm comfortable with them in that sort of QB 23, QB 24 range. Um, it's, it is what it is. But uh, that that concludes the the kind of top 12. But, uh, Evan, thank you ever so much for for coming on. And apologies for running a, a little bit longer than, than initially planned. But, uh, That's my fault. No, never apologize. And uh, for those of that uh, that were listening, where where can the uh, the listeners find you? Where can they uh, read your work? Yeah, um, I do some stuff. I do rankings for Dynasty Nerds. I do some writing stuff usually in the off season, and I have my own podcast, Dynasty Debates. So we do a weekly show. Have a lot of different cool guests on. Just talk about different things. We just talk to running backs, and we're going to be looking into diving into prospects again soon. That'll be exciting. Um, but yeah. That's where you can catch me on Twitter at FFEvolution, like we said at the top there. Usually just talking crap and being silly and stuff like that. Um, I do put some analysis and stuff out there on Twitter, but a lot of just, I find a lot of people are, you know, can be quite aggressive and angsty and stuff on Twitter. So I try to just have fun and, and be positive and be chilled out about stuff on Twitter. More my actual analysis, usually my articles or my like podcasts and stuff. I find it hard to believe that you think people are angsty and uh, and up for debate on Twitter. It's uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've never experienced that in my life. Yeah, um, Liam. Before we go, um, did you want to give the the little plug about the the listener league? I did. Yeah. So the listener league, I've been tagged in it, um, asking what's going on because I was meant to put the uh, Google form for new signups out about two weeks ago, and I've just been waylaid. Um, so that will be going out this week. Um, if you're listening to it before Wednesday, it'll be going out Wednesday. And if you're listening after that, then it's already out. Go and have a look. Um, so all you need to do is give us your sleeper username, um, and we'll do some sort of randomized draw, and we'll we'll pull names out of a hat or something. Um, and we'll get five new dynasty managers in our listener league. Um, and then from there, you'll have a lot of off-season stuff to do. Uh, we've got player locks. We'll have the um, the consolation draft, dispersal draft. That's the that's the word I was looking for, dispersal draft. And then obviously the rookie draft as well. Um, and you'll be able to trade throughout the year because Rich hates trade deadlines. <laughs> so, um, Rich, that is my plug over. Over to you. Perfect. So thank you so much again for Evan for coming on. It's been fantastic. That concludes our provisional preview series. We'll be back next week. We're going to start uh, with a, a gentle introduction 
into some college players. We're going to get the guys over from the, the Five Yard College pod. They're all going to be jumping on. And we're going to be introducing the, uh, the Big 12 names. But uh, thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you again next week. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.